welcome to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart Podcast. Each week, we interview the best and brightest in physical therapy, wellness, and entrepreneurship. We give you cutting-edge information you need to live your best life, healthy, wealthy, and smart. The information in this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and should not be used as personalized medical advice. And now, here's your host, Dr. Karen Litzy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart Podcast. I am your host, Karen Litzy, and today's episode is brought to you by NetHealth. So NetHealth and myself and the podcast, we want to talk about something important, patients and their outcomes. So if you like to talk about outcomes, which are super important for your business, the best industry event around outcomes management is happening October 23rd to the 25th in Knoxville, Tennessee, and it's called the Clinical Outcomes Summit. It is hosted by FOTO, which is focused on therapeutic outcomes, who were also a sponsor of the Align Conference, which we're talking about in today's episode. But it's not just for photo clients. It's a gathering of anyone who believes in the power of outcomes management to drive change for patients, clinician practices, and payers. Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart podcast listeners get a steep discount on the registration. The full summit pass is only $150. Go to outcomesnerd.com and use the discount code LITZY. Now, on to today's episode, which was recorded live from the Align Conference in Denver, Colorado, a couple of weeks ago, and I welcome Dr. Corey Zimney and Dr. Jesse Podolik onto the podcast to discuss why language matters to patient care. So I went to their breakout session on language. I loved it. I've known Corey for a long time, uh, and he's wonderful, and I just met Jesse this weekend, and this woman is awesome. She's got so much energy. She explains things in a way that you can really take it in and understand it. She does it with humor and heart. And both of them, I just thought their presentation was great. And so we decided to talk about it. So on today's episode, we talk about how language affects your actions, looking at language through the patient perspective, what is negative effective priming, and ways that you can enhance your communication style. So it was a really great talk. And I think they... Uh, both Corey and Jesse give a good synopsis in this podcast. So for a little bit more on Corey, he's been practicing physical therapy since 1994, following his graduation from the University of North Dakota with his master's in physical therapy. He completed his transitional DPT from the post-professional doctorate of physical therapy program at Des Moines University. And at this time, he is in the candidacy phase in the PhD PT program at Nova Southeastern University. He is currently an assistant professor within the Department of Physical Therapy at the University of South Dakota, senior faculty at the International Spine and Pain Institute, and researcher with Therapeutic Neuroscience Research Group and USD Center for Brain Behavior Research. His primary teaching, research, and treatment focus is with pain neuroscience, therapeutic alignment, and evidence-based practice for orthopedic injuries of spine and extremities. Jessie received her master's degree in physical therapy from the College of St. Catherine, Minneapolis in 1998. She completed her transitional DPT from Regis University, Denver in 2011. She has been teaching pain science and manual therapy technique at continuing education courses since 2013. She currently owns and operates her community's first direct pay physical therapy practice, seeing a variety of patients with acute and chronic pain conditions. She has special interests in manual therapy, Pilates, spine, and running injuries. 
She is a certified clinical instructor through the APTA and has completed her therapeutic pain specialist certification through ISPI. So both very accomplished physical therapists, and I'm so happy to have uh, been able to sit down and chat with them during the Align Conference a few weeks ago in Denver. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Karen Litzy, coming to you live from the Align Conference in Denver, Colorado. And I am fortunate enough to be sitting here with Corey Zimney and Jesse Podolik. And we are going to talk about the workshop that they did yesterday, and we'll probably do again tomorrow, on moving our language and why language matters around people with persistent pain. So my first question is, why does it matter? Well, words are powerful. Um, we, we started off by just doing some cool quotes that words change worlds, right? And words can pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Um, and that's just ancient wisdom, right? We've known that words just have so much power. They shape our perceptions. They shape our action. Um, we know even from the research, just how we look at something. Um, so so, for example, one of the studies we, we cited was um, if crime is presented as a beast, okay, you can look at crime as a beast versus crime as a virus. When crime is presented that way with just those two words and we survey people and we say, what should we do about crime? Those who hear crime as a beast, 71% say we should increase law enforcement. 51% of those who hear crime is a virus say we should increase law enforcement. So the word evokes more of a, a, an action response when we hear ve- the beast versus virus. Another one was the economy. Is the economy stalled or is it ailing? If the economy is stalled, we jumpstart it, right? Stimulus package. If it's ailing, Maybe we take measures that are really going to do long-term change. We look at um, education levels or socioeconomic things and what can we do with this economy. So words shape so many things in general. And in healthcare, the words surrounding pain uh, can evoke a lot of fear. They can evoke um, a lot of uh, knee-jerk reactions of what needs to get done. Um, we can make us... It can, kind of force us to look at these more short-term solutions, and I think that's been a theme emerging throughout this conference, is that we there's so many things that we do that are helpful in the short term, but can actually be harmful in the long term. So the words that we have surrounding pain um, probably lend themselves many times to short-term solutions, and if we want to look at really a sea change in how we approach pain, we've got to think and consider our language. Awesome. Corey? Yeah, I, you know, and you know what Jess talked about. Now, a lot of people, I think, they look at it and they go, "Well, that's just a little change." You know, it was only twenty percent different. What's the big deal? And to me, you know, and it's all about nudges. That a lot of times it's just these little changes that can make a huge difference for some people. And I get for a lot of people, it probably wouldn't make a big difference. But if it did make a difference for a person, why wouldn't I want to try to maximize every little opportunity that I could get? Um, and I know some people look at it like, well, I don't think language is that big. A lot of people I can tell arthritis and they don't have a problem because I use that word. And I, I get that. But what about that one person that it did make a difference for? Um, how do you know it didn't make a difference for somebody? And, and if we have good evidence that shows that these little changes can make a difference, why wouldn't we try to maximize every little bit of that? Yeah, and I think that harks back to, Corey, to what you said 
uh, this morning about everyone in the room has probably treated one person in pain, and that's great. You treated one person. But you can't extrapolate what works for one person to a population. And so I agree that I think in, in, in as much as saying do no harm, changing words around that might connect with someone, I don't think is going to be incredibly harmful right. by reframing words that maybe we know might be a little harmful. Like arthritis, or what are some other ones from yesterday, the right? The one for me was wear and tear. Yeah. How often do we say wear and tear? And what's the first thing that pops into your mind when you hear wear and tear? What's an object? Your yeah. Tire. The tire. The tire. And what's that going to do? It's going to blow. Mm-hmm. Right? So if I say you have wear and tear, what is kind of even a subconscious thing? They're just waiting for it to blow. And how does that influence your movement? How does that influence the adventure you have in life? How does that influence your whole being? Um, just knowing I have wear and tear. For some people, they might say, well, I don't care. I'm going to wear it out. I'm going to mm-hmm. grind that thing to the ground. But for others, they might say, oh my gosh, these tires have to last me another 20 years. I better take really, really good care and back way off. So so wear and tear is a hot button one yeah. for me. Yeah. yeah, how about you, Corey? Well, it's, you know, it's the ones you know you hear, it's the worst knee I've ever seen, you know. Oh, the, the spine of a 90-year-old. Right, you know, which is all right if you're 102, I guess. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, so it's just those little phrases that, that are so easy for us to throw around, um, but we have to recognize that the, the, the lens that the patient looks through is probably different than the lens that me as the therapist mm-hmm. with all my education and training on how I look through it. And I think that's just, again, taking that patient perspective is something that we all can hopefully try to do a little better sometimes. Yeah, and one thing from yesterday's class that I had never heard of before was negative effective priming. So can you explain what that is and then how we use it, maybe not even knowing we're using it as therapists. Yeah, so then, I mean, it's really, you know, kind of what you talk about is kind of what you start thinking about. And and so if I'm telling you how you're going to lose, you know, if you, if you, you know, if you don't do your exercises, you won't be able to do these things and just create more of a negative type of attitude to everything. And everything the patient sees then will be directed more towards the negative. Um, Where if you can flip it to more of a positive type outlook as far as when you do this, you'll be able to do these things and you can do that. And again, always flipping it to more of a positive direction. So again, you're you're just priming them, nudging them, turning them towards things that they can do as compared to you lost this, you won't be able to do that. So, So it's those little shifts and changes. Um, to focus on those positives, you know, we, we, I know as a clinician, you know, you struggle like, God, our patient's so negative, and then we come up with these negative phrases sometimes, and it's like, well, how are, how are we helping prime them the right direction? Right, and, and what are some examples of maybe common negative priming that we may do as therapists? Yeah, so that's, I mean, those things that, you know, if you don't do your exercises, you know, that shoulder's going to only get worse. You know, if you, if you know, you got, oh, you're overweight, you know, this puts lots of extra pressure on your knees. They're more likely to wear out. Uh, and so, again, it's just those little negative um, type of things that's so easy we can look at. We're talking about what they lose, you know, the kind of the gain uh, aspect or the loss aspect. And oftentimes we tend to talk about the losses. And patients will get focused on that, um, on the negatives. That's just human nature that we focus on negatives. Um, and, and as a clinician if we're adding to that um, it's only going to multiply more so you know but you know I think back in you know younger days as a clinician I'd always get so proud of you know if I could get their problem list to 10 I thought 
how cool am I? I'm double digits, you know, I mean, just get that problem list as long as possible, you know, but really looking at, you know, the optimism list, what things can they do? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what things can they do better? And, you know, isn't that, how cool is that, that you can do that? Um, you know, and in focusing on those things and what they can do better, what things they can do uh, instead of on what things they've lost, what things they couldn't. So that's that kind of priming, uh, kind of nudging more into a positive direction compared to our traditional, you got a dysfunction, you can't do this you're broken yeah and even the way we asked that question Lindsay had just a really nice thing this morning that she talked about with goals instead of you know I always think of you know what are your goals and that's kind of an obscure thing but I think she asked it um, in a way that was something like tell me something that you'd like to do more of be better at or return to doing that you currently Mm. can't yeah that's a much better question right it's just it flipped it because it started you know there's this great quote from a ted talk that i love by kelly mcgonagall called making stress your friend it's awesome (laughs) um but she she has this quote in there near the end where she said you know it's so easier to run towards something than away from something and if you look at your patients what do they write in their goals I want to get rid of this pain. Mm-hmm. I, I want this away from me. I want to avoid it. They're, you know, it's it's so overtaken their life that it's this. They're running from it. But if we can just direct people towards what is to come and and kind of set their their even get them to maybe cast a little vision, which I know is scary, right? And you don't want to um, have false hope. We talked a lot about that about how to balance reality and honesty, um, and sometimes to say. I'm not sure how this is going to turn out, but I'm with you in it, Mm -hmm. right? And so, um, but I think, you know, this is the worst I've ever seen or, man, this is the biggest trigger point I've ever felt. (laughs) No wonder you hurt. Those things come from a place of pity or sympathy Mm -hmm. or which they're, it's well intended, but it's not as... It's not as far on the empathy and compassion scale that we want. We want that empathy and compassion of, I see where you're at and where you've been, but I'm with you as we go forward, I guess, is mm-hmm. what I, how I look at it. Absolutely. And on that note, we're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsor, NetHealth. Let's talk about something important patients and their outcomes. If you love to nerd out on this kind of talk like I do, the best industry event around outcomes management is happening from October 23rd to the 25th, and it's the Clinical Outcomes Summit. It's hosted by Photo, but it's not just for photo clients. It's a gathering of everyone who believes in the power of outcomes management to drive change for patients, clinicians, practices, and payers. And the best part, healthy, wealthy, and smart podcast listeners get a steep discount on the registration. The full summit pass is only $150. At that rate, go ahead and bring your entire team. Go to www.outcomesnerd.com and use the discount code LITZY. That's L-I-T-Z-Y. Hope to see you there. Yeah, and I think that 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 sentiment of, yes, I'm with you, but being honest. So it doesn't mean everything's pie in the sky. Yes. And I think that's where people... When they hear about this uh, explain pain, quote unquote, or PNE, they think, oh, you're just talking away the pain and you're not really doing, you're not being honest, you're not give, not being realistic. But that's not what we're saying when, no. when you're talking about language and talking about um, uh, communicating with someone who has persistent pain. So one of the examples we used yesterday was like hippo A. We said, you know, Yes, you're, you may have pain and we're going to work on strengthening. There is a chance you might need surgery, but if you do, you'll be stronger going in. Yes. So you have to be honest. You can't say to someone with severe hip OA, 
you'll be fine. Just do a couple exercises. That's not it's just not realistic. And then when the person isn't fine, that's a steep fall. Yes. Yeah. And it goes back to this not swinging too far on the pendulum away from the bio. It's still biopsychosocial. And mm-hmm. how do you explain something that is that there are biomechanical or is- issues in a way that's not scary that still honors the bio but that kind of decatastrophizes or softens it's really just about softening mm-hmm. and responding like watching the patient's nonverbals you can tell when you're starting to freak somebody out oh yeah right and so then you make the adjustment and you you know you just be very very present so it's certainly our language but like as you know Corey community or talked about is communication and I, I really like what Joni said about about pain neuroscience communication. Yes, versus just education. education. So right. education, I, the smart therapist, am going to teach you, silly mm-hmm. patient, about how this works. <laughs> no, this is about communication and dialogue and yeah. how do we do that. Yeah, and Corey, something, I think it was, I think you said this yesterday, but correct me if, if I'm wrong. If it's good, I'll take credit Okay, for it. okay. All right. Um, I think you said that the body is not fixed, rather a robust ecosystem that has the ability to change and grow. And that was actually a TPS grad that we had that talked about that. Oh, they okay. use that in their metaphor. Yeah. Um, you know, that's that idea that, again, and that's just it. I mean, the beauty and the amazing plasticity. And I, I mean, I go back to when I used to, you know, work some in our rehab unit, you know, and when a patient came in with a stroke, you knew there was brain damage. You could see the MRI report. Mm-hmm. Um, but the beauty of it is you had no idea what they might be able to function and do afterwards, right? Because you'd look at those areas that were destroyed, uh, where the infarct was and stuff like that, and some of them amazingly regained function and the ability to walk and their ability to transfer and get out of bed. So you just always had this ultimate optimism, you know, as, as the traditional neuro type of rehab therapist, uh, when somebody had come in with their stroke or spinal cord and, and their ability to be able to do things. But for some reason in the orthopedic world, we just have this like, oh, well. Sorry. Yeah. Sucks to be you. You know what I mean? <laughs> her. This might hurt a little. Yeah. Or right. a lot. You know, and it's like we just create this like the body can't be adaptable to these things. And now, mm-hmm. we, like I said, now that they've done the imaging studies on normal people, mm-hmm. we're all walking around this stuff. We've all had this beautiful adaptability, whether it was from a neurological, orthopedic, any kind of um, change that's gone on in our body. But we don't ever appreciate um, and, and look at that from mm-hmm. that optimistic, again, in realistic sense, you know. Um, but again, we know that if you have a little tear in your meniscus. That might be an issue. Yes, if it's a huge bucket handle and you can't straighten your knee out and it clicks every step, yeah, that's probably a major deal. Um, But otherwise, a lot of people can get by with that. Now, I don't know with absolute certainty, but the beauty is we should be able to find out Mm -hmm. in four to six weeks because we can train the body, help it become more adaptable. We can explore different motions and movements and see how you do with it. And if it still doesn't, the awesome thing is we do have surgical options uh, to make that better. Um, And and so that's just that beauty of appreciating the adaptability of the human body. And I don't know that we, for some reason, we we seem to have lost that appreciation to some degree. Yeah. And I think that's something that I know I'll be using with my patients just to say, listen, you are this robust ecosystem. And I Mm -hmm. think if we share that with all of our patients, I think they may have a mind shift, a mind shift change there yeah if you um, think of ecosystems so many things go into it yeah right it's not just the musculoskeletal I think just that if people could really view the body as juicier <laughs> and more robust mm-hmm. and just the the multifactorial and I think that's where maybe we got off track is we just started seeing the body as a machine 
Yeah, right? which just, yeah, as a car or a machine, which yes. I have to say is my pet peeve. I hate when people say your body's just like a car. I'm like, no, it's not. Because your car doesn't breathe. It doesn't <laughs> it's have feelings not and even, emotions. We're not mechanics. <laughs> we're not this. Like that is not how it works. It doesn't get jealous of the Mercedes. When yeah, <laughs> exactly. Up, right? We're I, I'd like to think as people we're a little more complex yes. and in a very good way, yes. right? Yes. So now, what would be your uh, the thing that you want people to take away from why language is important when it comes to working with people with persistent pain? For me, it's just being mindful of that. You know, taking that moment, and again, not to, again, as a therapist, don't overthink it either. Don't think, oh, what words can I say? And oh, mm -hmm. if I said arthritis, oh crap, their patient's gonna catastrophize and never be able to walk again. No, but just be mindful of it and be present with your patient because when you're truly present with your patient, you can see that look in their eye. Um, and you can get that sense that they're maybe getting a little bit worried or catastrophizing or a little anxious and stuff like that. So it's that ability to just be present, mindful that words do matter, um, but again, not so overly mindful that you freeze and you don't act either. We still have to just be human, um, but again, just being a part of that, and again, that's just that communication piece that, that really is what we're talking about. Jesse? I, I would just echo what Corey said, it's just be with your patients, care, invest in them. Um, they're, you know, especially um, some of those the patients who it takes every ounce of energy they have just to make it to your appointment, um, realize that they're giving you the trust and the kind of the gift of their time and their precious energy. And so um, even when you have that busy day, even when, you know, you're kind of sucked dry, um, <laughs> just to give them that time that you have with them and to slow down a little bit, listen, be mindful. And you know, I, yeah, I just think it's just about being a little softer, just softening out the rough edges and um, being that, that safe place. You know, uh, Louis Gifford, um, one of our heroes said, reassurance is analgesic. And sometimes we can't reassure that that hip is gonna not need surgery, but we can reassure that I'll be with you. Mm -hmm. You're, we're in this. I'm in this with you. So that's what I would say. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Corey, Jesse. I appreciate both of you, and I really enjoyed your talk yesterday. So thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for, thanks for having us. A huge thanks to Jesse and Corey for a great synopsis of their talk. Aren't they great? Don't you wish you were there? Um, I learned so much from them. So thank you very, very much. And, of course, thank you to NetHealth for sponsoring today's podcast. So again, Net Health and Photo Focus on Therapeutic Outcomes are hosting the best industry event around outcomes management from October 23rd to the 25th in Knoxville, Tennessee. It's called the Clinical Outcomes Summit. Healthy, wealthy, and smart podcast listeners get a steep discount on the registration. The full summit pass is only $150. You will not find a better deal in any uh, conference this year. At that rate, you can bring your entire team. Go to www.outcomesnerd.com and use the discount code LITZY. Thank you for listening, and please subscribe to the podcast at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com. And don't forget to follow us on social media.